Well, um, I want to introduce Dr. Bruce Johnson. Um, he holds many titles, husband, father, grandfather, great-grandfather, professor, pastor, friend. So, yeah, you can go up there, but this is for you. I better use it. <laughs> Seems like whenever I'm going to speak, something humorous always comes to my mind, and I sometimes wish it wasn't that way, and so does my wife. <clears throat> I was when I was thinking about what I'm going to be doing here. Why, I thought of the young preacher that uh, one of his first sermons. He was kind of nervous, and so he announced his topic: "Behold, I come quickly." And he thought, ah, "That isn't." So he gave it another shot: "Behold, I come quickly." So then he thought, that still didn't do it. So he stepped to the side of the pulpit area and said, Behold, I come quickly. And he stepped forward a little bit and fell and landed in the lap of a lady on the front row. <clears throat> and he said, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She says, That's okay. You warned me three times and I didn't get out of your way. <laughs> um. I won't repeat what come to my mind when it's when sometimes when your mind gets so full of all the wonderful things that God has done in your life that you just don't know where to start. But I think I'll just tell you how I feel. I feel like a mosquito in the nudist colony. I don't know where to begin. <laughs> my wife didn't like that. <laughs> One of the things after many years of ministry, I'm preaching in this church for 14 years and wonderful, wonderful experiences everywhere that we have gone. God has been so good to us in so many ways and our family and friends and everything. It's just been wonderful. Uh, one of the things that just came to mind was when I was pastoring here, I used to like to say something that was funny, I thought. And one time uh, I said something about my wife and Mary Helen's dad stood up and says, that's not true. <laughs> uh, Fred was a good friend. <clears throat> one of the things that I want to emphasize today is witness and how crucial it is that we realize that Acts 1-8 gave Jesus direction for every person identified as a Christian. Jesus said, you will receive power. And I don't like to use the word power because I think it's better translated ability. God will give us ability to be his witnesses when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. And after that particular period of time, the Holy Spirit, in fact, did come upon the early believers, and they proceeded to produce the organization that it became known as Christianity, and it transformed a whole empire that was totally against, it, against them in 300 years. 
And they went through death after death after death in the process of doing that, but their message and their witness was so powerful that they could not do anything else. We have seen, we have heard, we can do nothing else. We are Jesus' witnesses. And as you and I think about ourselves, if we have become a believer, remember, you're a witness or you're not one of his. There isn't anything in between. We are his witnesses. And when we recognize that and compare that, and as I've looked at that whole thing, I thought about all the education I've been involved in, I don't think I ever had any kind of witness in any of it that talked about being a witness. And, and I had a little bit about doing evangelism and uh, I, when I came to be pastor of this church, I just felt so frustrated because my responsibility that I felt was that I'm supposed to be the evangelist that wins people to Christ in order for that the church might grow. And when I first came, there were 20 people in worship and 75 in Sunday school, and that was the norm in most churches because the attendance in worship service was always low, but the attendance in Sunday school was higher because our whole nation was geared to the importance of this book. And parents would send their kids to uh, Sunday school or where some churches had confirmation, they would send them to that. And so they would become familiar with this book. It was crucial to our identity in the United States of America. That has changed. People who are identified as Christian is on a downward slide. I say there's, from what I've looked at, there's approximately 15, 50% of the people in the United States that now identify as Christian. My uh, history professor, Becky, says that she thinks there's 70%. But when you identify all the kinds of people that identify as Christian, whether they're really a Christian or not, that is the question. Because some have rearranged the Bible the way they wanted it, and those organizations become a part of the total number of Christians that we have in the United States. Now, what I'm referring to is not other parts of the world. I'm talking about the United States of America. That's where the problem lies. And unless you and I can become the kind of witness that shares the message of Jesus Christ to those around us, and it must be help people understand this book, or our country is going to continue on a deterioration that will not be very pretty. And I fear for my grandkids and great-grandkids what the future will be like when this book continues to lose its effect upon the nation in which we're living. You and I can do something about it, and that will be my final conclusion that I will share with you today. I discovered in my uh, thinking, when I was thinking about being witness, Jesus never said, "Be, do evangelism. In fact, the word evangelism never appears in the whole Bible. The word evangelist does, and there are people with gifts for being an evangelist and sharing. 
but every Christian is a witness. And if we don't witness, the world around us will never change, no matter how we look at politicians. And sometimes I want to slap some Christians on the side of the head and say, wake up, because the problem is not somebody else. The problem isn't the politicians. The problem isn't this. The problem isn't that. The problem is me, because I have not found a way to get the message of this book into the hands of people that transforms lives and makes them the kind of people that you and I like to be in community with. God knew what he was doing. You and I are special in his size. He, he identifies us as his witness. Think of that. We are his witness. May we find a way to do that effectively. Evangelists are important and have been important, and one of the reasons that they are so important is that uh, that has been one of the keys in spreading the gospel throughout the United States. The last person to be an effective evangelist in our nation was Billy Graham. No one has taken up that mantle and produced that that helps bring attention to the people in our country that Jesus saves. Jesus is the one that gives us the hope that we have and the message of the Bible that is produced. I remember while I was pastor here being a part of a John Wesley White crusade when we gathered all the churches together and prayed for a meeting and John Wesley White, associate of the Billy Graham Association, came to Simplot Stadium and held a meeting. Those kinds of services united Christians together as witnesses, and we witnessed to each other and came together. But that those days are not present anymore. It's back to us. And if we don't do it, it will not be done. We need to stop looking at somebody else, and somebody else is at fault. It is you. It is me. We are the ones that are to be the witnesses. And that's what Jesus said, and that's what Jesus meant, and that's the wisdom of Jesus that comes to us. We have several ways of looking at witness. One of the ways is that your people here in your church do a great job in helping people with material goods. You just do a tremendous job. There's probably, I've never heard of any that church that does any better in that area. That's one where area of witness. Then there's the witness that Christians have with each other. They help each other. We help each other in our relationship to Christ. We pray for each other. And that is important. That's an important witness. And then we have uh, uh, witness of uh, sharing our testimony sharing our testimony, what has Jesus Christ done in your life and mine? And if we don't have a testimony, we got nothing to share. Knowing Christ and receiving him and believing him so that we can say, this is what Jesus Christ has done in my life. He can do the same thing in yours. And if we don't have a testimony, then we need to find a place of prayer, and pray until that comes. I was raised in a Christian church, and 
my mother was saved when a free Methodist preacher traveled the area, and I'm not sure whether it was horse or what, but held a meeting in a one-room schoolhouse, and she accepted Christ. And I refer to myself as a prenatal free Methodist because I was going to church long before I ever thought there was such a thing as a church. But for 22 years of my life, I could not say that I, Jesus Christ had forgiven me of my sins. I had been to camp meetings, revival meetings, and church services, and I had heard it and I believed it, but I, I wanted that witness within my heart that God in his grace had forgiven me of my sins. And so I've decided uh, when I was 22 years old, I decided that I would find a place of prayer and I would pray seeking God's witness in my life that he had forgiven me of my sins. And uh, we had what we called a haymow and that was where nobody could find where you were. So you went up there and hid and I could pray and nobody would hear me. So that's the place that I found and I began praying and I continued to pray. And in the process of praying, God called to my attention part of 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins. And that phrase, faithful and just to forgive you, seemed to ring in my heart and witness to my heart in a way that nothing had ever done before. And it changed my life. And I am so thankful, but what I feel bad about often, Christians who take the name of Christian but never really knew their, or really know their sins are forgiven. You can, and you can tell others they can. You can know that Jesus Christ forgives you of your sins if you will just go to him and pray and seek his face until you find it. So we must have a witness within us that I belong to God. The next thing is the witness of the book. When you think of Jesus, there's three things that you can keep in mind. We must recognize that the witness of the book, Jesus taught and explained what this book means. And apart from Jesus and looking at what Jesus says, you can never understand what this book says. We need to focus on Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching for a period of three years changed 12 men that you or anyone else would never think of ever accepting as leaders. They were brawlers. They were doubters. They were all kinds of things. But after being under Jesus' teaching for three years, they were the ones that taught the world what it means to know Jesus Christ and how that can change your life. And we have that message in this book, and Jesus is the one that explained it. And then we need to realize that not only is Jesus the one who taught about this book, but God had written this message in the, that we have, we traditionally call the Old Testament, which is law, prophets, and writings in the Hebrew period of time. Uh, God has written, had them inspired others to write the message that we know that is there. But when Jesus came, the apostle John recognized him not as a whole lot of writing, but as the word. 
and that is so crucial to get a hold of. The early Greeks, starting with Heraclitus, they recognized that the word logos, or the word we translate word, that was like an eternal word. And then when the, Jesus Christ came around, they realized that here is the eternal word. Here is the word that explains everything about God. It is so crucial for to get a hold of what John said in his gospel, that Jesus Christ is the word of all words, and he explains God. And that's what John says in the first chapter, 18th verse. So the witness of this book is crucial. And I'm going to ask you to pick up a little booklet that I have put together in regard to uh, helping you and then helping someone else that you know uh, become acquainted with the God of the Christian Bible. But what we recognize in this is it isn't a whole bunch of words. It's a message. God has given us a message of hope. We know we're going to die, but we're not going to die because we know the one that gives us life and death cannot take that away. And so when I, as I'm moving closer to the hour of death, I have absolutely no fear as anyone else should have if they know Christ because we just make a transition from this life to our next life and there isn't anyone that can take that away. Not only that, but Jesus Christ went before us to show us that he had power of resurrection after life, and he appeared to others so that we could have that kind of confidence in the one who said, I am the resurrection and life. He that believes in me and shall never die. We have a message to offer, and we should not try to complicate it. It tells us how to live in community here, and it tells us how to live in community in heaven. It prepares us for that. Then we have the witness of the 12 apostles that Jesus chose. I can't imagine what it would be like to be under the teaching of the master teacher for a period of three years and hear how he explains what life really is. And they were so transformed that if you wanted to read a terrible reading in history, Eusebius's ecclesiastical history is the history of Christendom in the first 300 years, and you see the number of people who claim Christ that were willing to die because there was no other way to eternal life. And the 12 apostles were willing to die because they believed what was taught them by Jesus. And we can have that same confidence because they taught others and his spirit continues to teach us beyond anything that is even written. Now, the thing that I recognize that was my failure in ministry, and that's what I've included in this little booklet, in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 uh, through uh, verse 13, it says that my responsibility as a pastor leader or anyone that is recognized as a pastor leader 
the responsibility is to equip Christians for the life of living the life of a Christian. And I've felt like I've attended evangelism training sessions and, and then I would try to get people to respond the same way and how it had affected my life. But we're all different. You don't do things the way everybody else in this room does. God knew that. The Bible talks about talents and gifts and abilities. We're all different. We're to take what we are, our talents, gifts, and abilities, and share the message of Jesus Christ the way we would do it. And I believe that by equipping with some direction that you can take this booklet and become a part of you and you can share it any way you want it. But it's the message. It's the hope that Christ has given us. So I believe the message of the 12, even though from the period of 33 A.D. to about 50 A.D., there was no written message because the people of that time lived in an oral history period of time. They memorized everything. They memorized, memorized, memorized. They knew the message and then realized around 58 D and beyond they needed to start writing down the message we have in our New Testament, and they did it, and they were inspired by the Spirit of God to do that. Then we have the witness of believers. There are so many people in my life that have witnessed to me that I couldn't begin to call the names of the persons that have witnessed to me, all the way from a young child to an older adult. The witness of believers has been so great in my life. And it's not necessarily from the church, Free Methodist Church that I've been involved in, but it's Christians everywhere who have come to know Christ. I was raised in a very different family my mother was saved through the ministry of the Free Methodist Church. My father was Swedish Lutheran and confirmed in the Swedish Lutheran Church. I never met my great-grandpa Maynard, who was a Baptist preacher. And I never thought my dad could never be a Christian. I never thought my, my grandpa couldn't be a Christian. I never thought any of those things at all. They recognized this book. They recognized the Christ of this book. And they witnessed to me of the wonderful things that we can know in this book and how God can witness all around us everywhere and we're not in control of that. Our witness is touched by the Spirit of God that goes beyond anything we say or do. The witness of the believer. Do you have a testimony of knowledge that Jesus Christ has forgiven you of your sins and you have the hope of eternal life? If you don't, you can. Don't ever let anybody tell you any different. This book says it. Jesus said it. The Spirit of God says it. We can know our sins are forgiven beyond any shadow of doubt. And when we reach the point in life when we're leaving this world, there's no fear because we're making a transition to that which God promised for us. And there is all so many witnesses to that fact that goes beyond anything that we could ever imagine.
Now, I don't know how long I'm supposed to be doing this, but I'm about done. <laughs> I would invite you, I have several booklets that are entitled Introduction to the God of the Bible. And by the way, when you're talking to people and they start telling you they don't believe in the Bible, that's fine. Just say, well, what is your source of information? That question is crucial. Some people take this book and they don't like something, they change it. That's not their source. They've changed the source immediately. This is my source. And it's the greatest source that anyone could ever have. It's the source that the early founders of our country put these kinds of truths in our Constitution that helps us know how to live in community without killing each other. It is that profound. So the booklet, Know the God of the Bible, that in itself is, a, a, I use the word apologetic, and some I, to several people, their response was, well, what do we have to apologize for? That's not what we were talking about. And 1 Peter 3.15, Peter is inspired to write that let this hope rest within us. We must give it a reason or we must defend the hope that is in us. You and I can defend the hope that is in us. And the Greek word for defend or reason is apologia, where we get our word apologetic, which means we're not apologizing for anything. But as Christians, we can help in our witness by realizing we can defend what we believe about this book and what Jesus Christ can do in our life. And it's been proven over and over again. So I would invite you to take one of those. We're, I'm actually going through this in the men's group as well, but take it and go through it. But if you do, please promise that you will give it to somebody else so they can go through it so we can get people that are putting the Bible back in the hands of people with an understanding that is not complicated. So I want to thank you for uh, allowing me to be here, but I also want you to know how frustrating I was trying to figure out what I'm going to say. So if I didn't say what you like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'd like to have a closing prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you so much for sending Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that is witnesses, uh, witnesses to our hearts of the work you do in us that is not our own thinking. It's beyond us, and you knew that. And you have chosen to dwell in us as your temple. How great you are, O oh God. We thank you. We pray that you will awaken in the heart of every person that is here the desire, renewed desire, to be a witness to your honor and to your glory through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray.